huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 96 of Steve AGA. This is my podcast and I am your host. And our guest this week is actor Nate Cordry, who you may know from United States of Terra, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, or Mom, or Children's Hospital, or maybe you've seen him live at the UCB Theater. Either way, it was very awesome of Nate to actually come into the Starburn Studio, which doesn't happen on my show a lot anymore. I'm usually forced to go to someone's dingy house or apartment and fear for my life. Will this be my last interview? Is this person going to bury me in a dumpster? Because <laughs> that's what friends do, right? Anyway, uh, thank you, Nate, for doing this. As I said, this is episode 96. We're closing in on 100 episodes. In fact, when this episode comes out, it will be Tuesday and Thursday of this week the 17th of august at 7 p.m i will be doing a live version of this podcast 97 episode 97 with my guest steven weber who by the way was also on studio 60 was on the sunset strip with nate cordry um so steven will be live at the starburns castle with me you can go to starburnscastle.com and get tickets and like i said it's 7 p.m thursday the 17th Let's just get into this. Um, I have no other shows to plug other than that one. And we're off. Thank you, Nate, if you're listening for doing this. Thank you, people, for listening. Um, while you're at it, if you're uh, an iTunes user, go over to iTunes and give uh, this podcast a rating and review. It helps. And uh, also, I will give a bump to my other podcast that I do with Busy Phillips called We're No Doctors. It's brand new. There's about four or five episodes out. So go check that one out as well. It's at feralaudio.com as well. Did I say it as well too many times? Uh, it doesn't matter. Let's get this show started as well. <laughs> Thanks. Have you been watching, uh, speaking of stream of conscious, uh, the... Twin Peaks? <laughs> No, uh, I haven't watched a moment of it because I hear it's a mess. It's crazy. Yeah, the uh, yeah, the Grateful Dead uh, documentary on Amazon. Have no, watch that. Oh, it's fucking great. I just watched the. Um, it's so good. It's. I mean, it's an old documentary, but I just rewatched it. The uh, um, Tom Petty one. Mm. The I didn't know he had the Bogdanovich one. documentary. I didn't Tom know Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. It's on. It's on Netflix. And it's like over three hours long. They have that much history? <laughs> yeah, dude. It is so good. Wow. That I've watched it and now all I've been doing is listening to Tom Petty. No shit. It's like three hours. And I mean, it starts from 
Tom Petty before he was in the Heartbreakers yeah. to just like the whole story. <laughs> yeah. And it is shot really well, all the interviews and um Yeah, it's so good. It's great. Yeah. I have a mental block on Tom Petty because of uh when I was in like junior high and high school when he was coming out with um um like learning to learning to fly. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that album was. And I think the album was also called Learning, learning to, to Fly. fly. Yeah. And it was so popular and everyone was going fucking crazy for it. And I just couldn't. You're like, I'm going to listen to Nine Inch Nails. Exactly. Exactly. I needed to get deeper into Mud Honey or some other fucking stupid band. Well, it was the, I, the era of grunge. Yeah. And I, I think I was like, nah, that, this, that's too like pop radio. Like yeah. this guy looks like a Jim Henson character. I can't get behind him. <laughs> he does. He looks like a Muppet. He's he like does. A, I'm Tom Petty. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Kermit the Frog? Wow. I'm checking my strings. Uh, I'm learning to fly. Oh, my God. Where did that come from? I might have to do this whole interview as Tom Petty. Nate, tell me where'd you... His voice is is it's spectacularly unique. Like, yeah. there are very few voices like his. I, it's There's so much mileage on that throat. That throat it, is just fucking destroyed. It doesn't seem like someone who would sell a lot of albums. When you hear him talk, and even when you first hear him sing, you're like, what is huh. this? Huh. Okay. Just kind of like a G, C, D, yeah. three chords. Don't have to live like a <laughs> refugee. Well, all right. I'm with you, Tom, but. Uh, what? It's true. You don't. <laughs> I didn't get into him either until like the 2000s, like. I was the same way. I was in college during, you know, much of the yeah. the nineties, and yeah. like, you know, when you're in your twenties and your teens, that's when you're just like soaking in music and yeah. whatever's popular. And yeah. that was like, grunge was it for me. And yeah, like yeah. everything broke. For, like I was in high school in the eighties, and I just really couldn't find music that I, I i was into oingo boingo and that was about it yeah, yeah. And it was just like everything was either synth or hair metal right and um did I you was, discover punk no no not until later not until like the 90s and mm. uh because none of my friends were into it and in fact like in the 80s all i was doing was buying comedy albums where where, where are you from where'd you grow up riverside oh okay. like an hour away from here yeah 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 I, my music issue is i my friends listen to shitty music and and my brother, who passed on his music to me, I, I got into some of it, but then he was—he got really into Motley Crue, and, and I was like, <laughs> I can't fucking yeah. do it. I'm just not interested in that. And I was young, but I still was like, I, I don't identify with that. That doesn't term. I'm not impressed by their videos. I'm um, not either. And the kids who listened to that shit in high school, I was like, I don't want to be like that. Dicks. I want to be different from that kid who drives yeah. the Camaro, the fucking Trans Am, and doesn't have a future. I was like, no, no, I want more. Which is your brother in Hot Tub Time Machine. Absol <laughs> completely. Completely. Absolutely. He is channeling that that character. By the way, you know, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This is my guest, Nate Cordray. Hi, everybody. You know, your brother, his very first time in LA, he slept on my couch. What? Yeah. I no never, shit. I'd never met him. I didn't know him. Um, he went to college with my girlfriend at the time. Who uh, was your girlfriend? This girl, Lori Shiramataro. Yeah. And blonde. Yeah. Yes. And Lori and I were living together over near UCB. Oh my fucking God. This was pre UCB, but, um, 
I remember she was like, I have some friends. Shimataro. Shimataro yep. from uh, Gloucester. I was going to say, Gloucester. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, she's like, yeah. She's like, I, I have a couple friends who are coming here. Um, we went to college together. They're coming to, I think, take meetings with agents or something. Wow. And um, What year is this? This was 90... This was late 90s, mm-hmm. like 97 or 98. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, of course. And um, I don't, <laughs> it's odd because I don't remember who was with Rob, but. Um, it's probably Husky or, or Seth Morris, maybe. It was, it was neither of those guys. Oh. Um, it was, God, I don't remember who it was, but um, uh, they slept on our floor and our couch. And, Whoa. Um, yeah. How long were they there for? A couple days. And was it my brother's first time in Los Angeles? First time. Uh, what did you think of him when you met him? I thought he was hilarious. Oh, really? Yeah. I really took a shining to him. I thought he was really cool. I th- They were both cool. I re- wish I could remember. I wonder if it was another friend of his from UMass who knew Laurie. It was, for sure. <sighs> fuck. Micah? Maybe. Or Mike Lombardi? That sounds very familiar. Very serious actor. I think serious it was looking him. actor. Yeah. Short. Kind of, yeah. Short fuse as well. Yeah, but there were three, actually three guys, but those two stayed at our place and there was another guy that was with him who was staying somewhere else. Wow. Um, it wasn't Jeb Barrier. I don't remember. Hmm. Interesting. I really only remembered Rob. Do you remember? That's so funny. Uh, do you remember his like point of view on Los Angeles? No. Fucking funny. Holy shit. It was, Have you talked to him about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. And like, you know, the Gelson's that's on Franklin yeah. by UCB. If you're standing in the parking lot looking away from Gelson's, mm-hmm. like across Franklin, there's a, a yeah. vacant lot. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the vacant lot, that's the apartment we lived in. That's a great spot. Yeah. I mean, was it a great spot in 1998? It was an amazing apartment. Wow. There's That whole area has the apartment buildings there have such history and character. They seem like they were the first... Big, like, gorgeous pre-war apartments that were built in Hollywood. They're they're amazing. And that building we lived in was a project um, for a bunch of students at UCLA, architecture students. Oh, wow. So each unit in the apartment was designed by a different student. So no two units were the same. Like the Mermaid Inn. Kind of, or the Madonna Inn. Um, excuse or me, the Madonna Inn, but there's a Mermaid Room. Yeah, so yeah exactly. Yeah. So it was really cool. They were like just weird. It was just a weird apartment. Yeah, I I loved it. What uh, what what was there? The Tamarind. What 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 was it? Was the Tamarind? Yeah, yeah. And did they do comedy or was it like weird? Like it was weird plays. um, And then for a short period, it was uh, comedy sports improv. Oh, would do shows there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twice, twice on the weekends, and then UCB bought it. That's so crazy that you hung out with Rob in 1998 when it was his first time in Los Angeles. I know. We grew up like, because we're from the East Coast, from Boston, so you identify Los Angeles in a very specific way, yeah. and it's not in a good way. Yeah. You pass enormous judgment on it, and I had that judgment until I was in my <laughs> mid-20s, basically. Until, until I you're living my, here. Yeah. I mean, I, I had drinks with a friend of mine recently who was like, I remember when you... Uh, I was visiting, I was working out here, I was doing a play out here in like 2003, and I had drinks with a friend from college, 
He's like, I remember I saw you in 2003, and you're like, I'm fucking never coming out here. This is where the pretty. That. This is where the pretty people go. Yeah. No fucking way. Not in a fucking million years. <laughs> yeah. And I've been here. I just passed my 11 year anniversary living in Los Angeles. Nice. And I fucking love it here. I do love too. It. I moved here in. I mean, I lived an hour away. Yeah. But I officially moved here in '95. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's crazy. I grew up an hour away from here, and I never had been to L.A. until I was 20 years old. Wow. Yeah. Did your Was your family conservative? Did they not, did they not want you, like, out on your own? They were conservative, but I just, it, it, at that young age, it just seemed so far away. Even an hour, sure, I was like. Sure. Well, an hour to a 15-year-old is very different than an hour to a 35-year-old. Yeah, it's like the same difference of five years to a teenager's, like. <laughs> Or like oh a summer, God. summer break exactly. when you're a teenager yes, well said. would go by so fast. Exactly. And now I'm just like, it's a hundred degrees. When is this <laughs> fucking summer going to end? It's not four o'clock yet. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, uh, I came here for the first time when I was like wow. 20 years old. So when you were like your peers in high school, was the dream like to move to the big city? It was like Los Angeles. I want to move to LA. He's never or talked no. about. I don't think anyone wow, had so dreams <laughs> in Riverside. <laughs> I don't think anyone had dreams. I wanted to be an actor and a comedian when yeah. I was a kid. I remember, um, you know, I've told this before on the podcast. The first album I ever bought with my own money, mm-hmm. when all my friends were buying music albums, mm-hmm. was George Carlin, A Place for My Stuff. Wow. And I just kept buying comedy albums. That's a pretty and good start. I would listen to Dr. Demento regularly. Yeah, and that's course. how I would find out about different comedians. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was just really into comedy. Like, Three's Company was my favorite show as a kid. And I didn't get half the jokes. Wow. And But I grew up in a conservative family and community. And I didn't have any creative people. Like, my aunt was... a a good artist. She could draw and stuff, but there were no other like creative people in my family yeah, or in any of my friends' family. So it was never, I just thought people were born into that world. Like Same here. I was like, George Carlin's parents were probably entertainers. And yes. I didn't know it was an option. I had the same, it's so funny because I grew up 2,500 miles away, but I had the same thoughts. I had no, uh, my parents were not creative people. We didn't go to museums. We didn't see live yeah. music or theater or yeah. uh, go, go to sort of experience any kind of culture at all. It was just, it was foreign to us. And the people who did uh, take in culture were like, we kind of looked like, whoa, whoa, they're so whoa. fucking highfalutin. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look hey, at Frazier. you. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's funny. I, I just imagine that anyone who was in the entertainment, but like that was like to get there and to achieve that was like trying to go to the moon. Yeah. Like unless you had an inside, like you said, like a mother or a father, some kind of parent that could get you into that universe. You couldn't just show up and do that. I didn't even know you could do it in school. Like, yeah, I think I was aware that there was a drama club in high school, but they were all like kind of nerdy kids and I I wanted to do it, but I was like, I'm going to get made fun of if I do that. God, it's so funny. My brother has has the same story. He was, he wanted to do it, but he had these two guys who were in it who were older than him, 
who were friends with an ex-girlfriend of his and they hated my brother because he dated this woman and they were fucking such dickheads to him and he's like I don't want to be part of this universe like fuck these guys no thank you they graduated and his senior year he's like all right, I can finally do this and fucking loved it and was like the lead in the class play and the rest is history but because that community was off-putting to him and it wasn't inclusive he didn't want to take the risk and do it uh yeah it wasn't i mean i came to la to do music i was playing yeah when i was in college i started playing in a band and uh we were good our like our, our very first live show was at the whiskey a go-go wow and um yeah i was like i just dove headlong into music and so i came yeah. to la with the band and um enrolled at the musicians institute which is like a music school over yeah. in hollywood and um i thought that's what i was gonna do i was like i'll i'll just be a rock, a rock star fuck yeah or you know i went to the music school so i could learn to read music and learn technique and maybe i could at least be a studio musician yeah and then um just i real being in a band is one of the hardest or music is one of the hardest industries to break into i was like fuck this is a worse choice than trying to be an actor or a comedian because you're relying on like four or five other people yes and you have to get along with those people and i lived in an apartment that was directly behind the whiskey ago that was behind tower records yeah yeah on sunset and it was a block from the whiskey and i would go to the whiskey or the roxy or the viper room almost every night wow i was just like fuck it was so discouraging i was like there's fucking a thousand bands playing every night in la yeah um how does that even how do you even get a break yes yeah well how how did you get your gig at the whiskey how did that start that was even before i moved to la we were in college uh this was in riverside and um uh my roommate was in a band and all they did was covers and um one day they're they're this is like something out of um what was the what's the movie uh, uh Ethan Embry's in it and Tom Hanks oh the uh, that thing the you wonders do. that thing you do yeah it was like that uh, their bass player broke his arm and he couldn't play and they're like hey we're just going to go fuck around in the studio and and, Holy shit. and rehearse and play you want to come play with us and i was like yeah and so we went and we set up and we started just dicking around before we started actually practicing songs and we started just jamming and we like started like figuring out our own songs. And by the end of that first day, we had like, you know, figured out like five, four or five, like pretty basic, but like yeah. punk songs. Yeah. And we were all just really stoked. And I like went back to the dorm and I got the LA weekly and I just started calling clubs. Wow. I was like, dude, we're going to play these live. We got to play these. Yeah. And I started calling clubs. And most of them, you would just get answering machines. And I call, I saw the whiskey <laughs> and there was a number for booking. And I called and this fucking guy, I remember his name it was, I think it was Mike G and Greco. He was a very New Jersey sound yeah. guy. And one of his voicemails was like, Hey, it's Mike. I can't answer the fucking phone right now. It was so like <laughs> just abrasive. Yeah, yeah. But um he picked up on the f- the first time I called that number, he picked up and I was like, "Hey, I have this band and we want to play." <laughs> and he's like, "All right, how does Tuesday night the 25th?" Holy fucking shit. 
And it was a bringer. We had to bring people. But, you know, we were in college. We brought like a shitload of people. Of course. And so that because of that, he also booked the Roxy. So we played the Roxy. Wow. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, this is easy. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, wow, we're playing at the Whiskey. That was easy. Holy fucking shit. And then we came to LA and it was just like, he just bogged down immediately. And, yeah. Um, and then I started dating a girl who was taking classes at the Groundlings. And I went to a show with her and I was like, okay. I, yeah, this, this is, is what I life. should be doing. Yeah. And then I was there every day for like five years. I fucking bet. Yeah. I have such enormous respect for any band that survives past six months. Yeah. Like I, these bands that are, you know, these guys that are in their 60s and 70s and pushing their 80s like fucking Stones and- Tom Petty. Yeah, Tom Petty <laughs> and Springsteen and all these fucking rockers that are still fucking doing it. Bob Weir and Phil Lesh from the dead are still fucking touring. Yeah. Um, how the fuck they have this ability to, yeah, because it's such an, an, an industry sur like surrounded by ego and positive reinforcement from this audience. And yeah. how can you survive these ego battles to just like put it past you and say, I mean, 99% of these bands dissolve and fucking walk away from each other. How the fuck does the Rolling Stones, how are they still doing this? With almost all the original members, yes. too. I mean, I know, like, when they're on the road, they all have their own fucking buses and basically only see each other on the stage for those yeah, two and yeah, a half yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. But still, that's enough. Like, Jesus Christ, you know these guys. You know their fucking ins and outs, and it's so fucking hyper-competitive. And yeah. all these guys are smart, sensitive musicians and artists. And they're feeling slighted constantly. How the fuck do you not say, fuck you, I'm fucking out of here? I, I, I'm not a Rolling Stones fan. I mean, I appreciate what they've done in, in yeah. our music history, but what I appreciate more about them is that they've been able to fucking st Even stick it Even the Beatles couldn't keep it together. Yes, yes. Luckily, Maybe they were all talented enough to go on, on To their do own. their own shit. But they, they were, what, like five or six years together? Yeah. I mean, what is, uh, let the, I mean, it's so fucking heartbreaking watching Let It Be, like watching them break up basically yeah. in front of this camera. Is from but the fact that they, I mean, and they were the most famous people on planet Earth. Yeah. So the microscope that they were under was even more enormous. So I, 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 I can't imagine how these bands fucking stay together. Like the Heartbreakers. Like who plays drums in the Heartbreakers? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I guess that guy's just psyched because he's. I'm assuming he doesn't have much creative input. Uh, I think they went through a couple. Ben Tench, though is the keyboard player, and he's. Been with them for forever. Oh, God, it's fucking insane. And I know Benmont through Largo. Like, he plays with a lot of people at Largo. Oh, no like, shit. Like the Watkins Family Hour. He'll yeah, play yeah. with them or Fiona Apple. And Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's just... You watch that documentary and you're like, fuck, How man. the fuck did they do this? How did they keep it together? I get freaked out after... I have Maybe it's just my issues with just fucking commitment and feeling trapped. But, like, I think about doing a play... I did a play this fall and I did it for three months and only in LA. Yeah. And only six, it was five weeks of a run, which eight shows a week, but it was only oh five weeks. God, eight shows I, and it seems crazy, but I, or maybe it was five weeks. Yeah. Um, five or six weeks. It doesn't matter at any rate. By the end, I was like, I felt like I was in prison. I felt like I was in jail. Yeah. And it freaked it. Like I had so much anxiety built around the fact that like I had to go to this space and this night and do these things. With had these people. to. Have, yeah. Had to do it. Yeah. And 
I remember this was years ago, it was 14 years ago, but the, my first big job was doing the, a touring production of a Broadway show. And it was a year. What was it? It was The Graduate. Nice. And um, who'd you play? The first six months, I played two or three like walk on parts and I was the understudy for Benjamin. Yeah. And then that guy left in the last six months I played the part. Wow. And, uh, and I remember like t a month in, I thought, Oh my God, I have to do this for another 11 months. I'm in prison. And I have so much respect for people who've been doing Broadway shows, like shows that I'm running for fucking, you know, like Phantom of the Opera or some shit or like Chicago. There have been people who have been on that show Doing eight shows a week for like six years. Oh, Every fucking the guy day. guy from Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes. Ted uh, the Neely. Guy, Ted he, Neely. Yes. Yes. He played him his whole life, like in various. I uh, don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't Are either. they paying you that much? Yeah. Or do you ju are you just saying, this I'm is what I can do? I'm doing Exactly. This. I and I do wanna... not want to go out and, t and fucking risk failing and doing other things. I like the security of being able yes. to do this. I know these songs back. Really, really I, good. Anytime, what's the buzz? Tell me what's a happening. Like, I'm yeah. good at that. Anytime I have friends in plays and I go watch them, I'm just sitting there going, this is probably the 300th time they've said these words. Yes. I wonder if they're actually thinking the words as they're saying them. Yes. Or if they're thinking about dinner tonight. Yeah, of course. Of course. And I get, I've done two plays in my life mm -hmm. and was a fucking wreck the whole time. <laughs> I, I have a shitty memory. And I'm oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what if I go up on my lines? It's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. And there were a few times where I would just be on stage and I'm looking at someone who's talking to me. And then all of a sudden in my head, I'm like, oh, they're talking to me. Where are we in the play? And, oh, fuck. and I'm like, oh, oh my fuck. God, oh, what fuck. do I say next? Oh, fuck. oh my God, it's fucking terrifying. I had a friend who did uh, Rent on Broadway <laughs> for like for like several years. And she's an amazing musical, musical theater actress. And she said they used to call it going into the white room. Like it'd be like a Tuesday night, you know, 14 months in. And you've you have a it's february and it's fucking seven degrees and you had a fight with your husband or wife or whatever and you had a shitty whatever your life is fucking and you get there and you're 20 minutes into the play and you're looking at the person across from you and you're like i don't i don't know who you are yeah. i don't know and you and she's like you go into this white room Ugh. and everything is gone and you just you just rely on your castmates to realize that you are in the white room and to pick you up and fucking carry you off and, and forward the story for you. <laughs> and she remembers like there's this like famous song at Rent where they're all like after fucking what's his name dies. <laughs> they all have their candles and they're like singing about about the AIDS crisis. Yeah. And it's very fucking like heavy and serious. And she just forgot. One of the guys forgot his lines and was just like. Mm, hey, it's like it's like they didn't know what the fuck to do and the whole line is just looking at them like oh my god i just that commitment i every time i i see a play that's been running for months i just marvel at the f i can't get past it like how the fuck are you doing this twice on thursdays and sundays and then there's also in my head i'm like if you're doing this run for over a year you're gonna be doing it during the winter what if you get the fucking flu yeah yeah 
What if you get sick while you're on stage? Yeah, what if exactly. you ate something before the show and you get fucking food yeah. poisoning and have to puke during the yes. show? There's there's this thing that people talk about in the theater, like doctor doctor floodlights. Like do, like as soon you just need to get on stage, and, and as soon yeah. as you're on the stage, like with music or any kind of performance, like the second you get on stage, or Michael Jordan having the flu, exactly. and then going out and, and scoring seventy, great, yeah. You just have to fucking get out there and the lights and the power and the fucking energy from the audience will get you through. And then the second the show is over, you will fucking completely collapse. <sighs> but that's why they have understudies, I guess. But holy shit. Did you ever Gnarly. get sick while you were doing it? Um, uh, no, but I took a performance off. We were in Las Vegas <laughs> for two weeks playing... I don't even fucking remember. Oh God, it was so disgusting. It was like this old shitty theater in the old strip. And um, we were like two weeks from being done. And I pretended to be sick to give my understudy a show. Nice. Because I had the guy that I was covering for do it for me when we were in Boston. Playing a beautiful theater, the Colonial Theater, which is gorgeous. Yeah. And he called in sick to give me a performance. Oh, nice. And so I could call my friends and family and they came to see me that night. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I need to return the favor and pay, and it, pay it forward, forward yeah. as Kevin Spacey said. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thankfully never got lucky. I never got sick. I got lucky. <laughs> I've never been lucky. The end. You did that for a year? Uh, it was six months, a little break, and then another six months. <sighs> I can't. It was brutal, man. It was so brutal. I can't yeah. even. It was, it was rough. And I, and I, I, and I'm, I, I, so much of, I have so much guilt and shame in saying that it was rough because I was lucky enough to perform for a yeah, living. Yeah. So who the fuck am I to say that it was hard or difficult? But, um, but it was like you're in Norfolk or Tampa, Fort Myers. You're in fucking. That's the crazy part to me. Is Appleton, touring Wisconsin. is touring companies. Like, I can understand. Like, okay, we're at a theater in New York for the duration. But you're cool. sleeping in your bed. I have an apartment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just on every the Monday, road. you're in an airport or you're on a bus, depending on the mileage between the cities. So there's no rest. And then you get to a new city and it's like, you know, there's that's the first six months doing it was fun because I'd never been outside of, out of New England, basically. I mean, I, and, and I lived in New York, but um, mm -hmm. I went to Florida once when I was fucking 10 and I went to Wisconsin once when I was 19 to, or no, when I was, when I was 20, when I was 21 to potentially go to grad school. So I'd been nowhere in America. Yeah. So the first six months being, on a plane, that, that our first city was San Francisco, and that oh, was, and fun. I remember watch. It was on JetBlue, and I was watching the the, the um, plane icon. Yeah, and I was the next the guy sitting next to me was playing the part, and I was in his understudy. He was from San Francisco, and the icon passed the Midwest, and I was like, "This is the furthest I've ever been away from home." That's awesome. So it was that was like remarkable. Those six months were great because we went to great cities. We we're in Los Angeles, and we were in Austin. And you would do a week in each city. The shortest we would do was a week. The longest we did, we were in San Francisco for five. Oh, and that was nice. awesome. I love San Francisco. Me too. Me too. I had a fucking blast. It's there. one of my favorite cities. I yeah. went to school in a weird year where I just went to this really remote school in Napa Valley just to get away and go mm -hmm. be up north. And yeah. uh, I've just spent so much time in San Francisco. Yeah. It's an incredible fucking city. And that was, I think I was 20, it was 20 or 21. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that was right when fucking grunge hit. And I started going to every concert oh my in God. town. I saw, oh my God. I saw Nirvana and Pearl Jam 
on New Year's Eve in San Francisco. Where? At the Cow Palace. Wow. Um, Holy shit. It was 90... I can't remember if it was the New Year's Eve going from 1990 into 91 or 91 into 92. Wow. But, um, yeah, it was them and the Chili Peppers. The Chili Peppers headline. Jesus. 1991 is when Smells Like Teen Spirit came out, I think. 90 or 91. So it was... I think I talked about this once before and I had the order wrong. It was Pearl Jam opened the show and then Nirvana Mm -hmm. middled and then it was... um, it was um, the Chili Peppers. Chili Peppers, and it's so funny because I we missed Pearl Jam because uh, my girlfriend and I were having sex. <laughs> <laughs> I was at that age where I was like, "Yeah, oh yeah, I'd, I'd much, yeah, let's oh, do fuck this." Yes, I don't care. If Absolutely, I'll be able to see these bands; they'll be around for forever. <laughs> well, you were right about Pearl Jam. I did get to see Nirvana a couple times, though. So wow. Holy fuck. Yeah. Where'd you live? You were living in college, driving down? Yeah, I was in a dorm up in Napa, in St. Helena, like the hills above like St. Helena, which is mm. in, in the Napa area. It was near uh, a um, Lake Berryessa, which is famous for where those two people were when the, the Zodiac killer, the couple oh, yeah. having a picnic on the yeah. lake and the, he killed one of them and yes. one of them got away. Yeah. So that was always fresh in our minds, like Zodiac Killer. He's fucking around, And he's man. never got, been caught. Yeah. yeah. So it was always terrifying. <laughs> was that near Sebastopol? Sound the same? It I don't really know familiar. that Napa too well. I haven't spent enough time up there. I need to. It's near like Calistoga. Yeah. St. Helena. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wine country. Yeah. And all my friends in the dorm worked in wineries. So they would just bring home bottles oh, of wine shit. all the time. Oh, yeah. God. Were you able to like understand and appreciate it? I'm assuming no at 21. No, I never, I've never, I quit drinking a few years ago just because I think I developed an allergy or something. I would just mm-hmm. always feel sick. Yeah. Um, but I never liked wine. Yeah. It always, to me, no matter how good, someone's like, yeah, but this is a really good wine. You got to try it. Always just tastes like vinegar to me. Yes. I came to wine late. Now I love drinking white wine. I'm yeah. it's my my drink of choice. It's your jam? Yeah, it's my fucking jam. Little Sauvignon Blanc. Like a fourteen dollar Sauvignon Blanc from Sprouts. Uh <laughs> William Hill. Two buck chuck. Yeah, it's the fucking greatest. Yeah, I never, ever, ever liked wine. You always the they could people would be like, This is the best this wine the I've one. ever had. Yeah. I'd be like it tastes like Easter egg dye to me. It, I just, <laughs> all I taste is vinegar. Yeah. When was the last time you had a glass of wine? A couple years ago. Was it red or white? Probably red. And it was just, it tastes like fucking poison. Red was always the worst. I could yeah. get by with a white wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little less um, abrasive. Red was always the more vinegary one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't like red wine until I, like someone... Turn me on to Pinot Noir, which had it was a little lighter to me. It wasn't as so it wasn't so fucking like chalky. It hurt my mouth to drink yeah. like Merlots or. It's like no, this is I fucking was also disgusting. just never into. I never liked the taste of most alcohol. Like I would drink beer. That was what I would drink. And, yeah. But I never liked the taste. So once I quit, I was just like, I was like, yeah, I don't miss, I miss this. this. I don't like the fucking taste of beer at all. Yeah. Um. You know, I did most of my drinking in high school. That's when I right. was going crazy. And then it was just Southern Comfort. Right. 
I came to it late because I didn't want. I was like so worried about getting into trouble and being a bad kid. So like I never drank in high school. I like three times or something. Yeah. And even the first two years of college, like I would drink, but I never smoked dope at all. I was like, oh, I don't want. It's, I affiliated that with just like troubled kids who were fucked up and were like addicts, and well, I, I didn't want to. Which was kind of semi semi true, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, no, I, got, I have enough troubles on my own. I got to fucking stay on the straight and narrow. And then later in college, I like eventually loosened up and started enjoying the occasional beer and drink. But I can the times that I've thrown up from drinking in my life, maybe fifteen times, Whoa. maybe probably not even fifteen times. See, that sounds like a lot to me. Oh, really? In your life, dude, I have thrown up. Four or five times total in my life. What? The the last time I threw up was 30 years ago. Cut the <laughs> shit. No way. 30 years ago. I was no 18 way. years old. But since then, you've, 38, 40, yeah, you've felt the, the urge, the feeling. Not really. And you've subdued it. Really? No, I, I have a really strong stomach. I get sick, but it Damn. just goes straight to diarrhea. Oh, okay. It comes out eventually, but um, just in a different form. Yeah. I I will only, really only get nauseous. Uh, I mean, I've been cursed with vertigo. I've had vertigo most of my life. Oh, um, and so that terrifies I, me. I get nauseous from the feeling of being dizzy. And um, the one thing that, helps with that almost 100% is weed. Is weed, yeah. That's what I hear. Even though I haven't smoked weed in almost a year. But um, yeah, it, it was, I don't throw up. And wow. of those like four or five times I've thrown up, most of them from what I can remember were uh, drinking. Yeah. The last one when I was 18 was I went to a party and I had... I beer bonged is when I first discovered fucking beer bongs. I thought it was magical. I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, you can drink an entire beer. Yeah. In one second. Yeah. I was like, how is that possible? I don't even, how do you do that? that yes. it, but it just happens. Yes. And, um, so I got really good at beer bonging. And so I went to a party <laughs> and I had a 12 pack of beer and, we opened all 12 beers. Oh, my God. And we poured as many as we could into the funnel. So it was like three beers. And then we lifted up the funnel, and I started drinking. And as I was drinking, people just kept oh, pour, pouring God. beers into the funnel. Oh, God. So I beer bonged a bottle, a 12-pack of beer. Oh, God. How much I don't remember anything else. Oh. I remember putting the funnel up, and that's all I remember. Uh, apparently, I also beer bonged a bottle of champagne. Same day? Same night, yeah. I drank half a pint of rum. Oh, fuck um, me. I don't remember anything no, from that night. No, no. Um, you. Next thing, thing I remember was waking up in my bed at home, just puking. Yeah. Laying on my stomach, just puking all over the bed. Yeah. Still drunk. Oh, fuck. Getting up and walking into my parents' room. It's like four in the morning going, still drunk going, <laughs> I'm drunk and I just puked <laughs> in my bed. <laughs> Mom, mother, mother. And my dad was just like, will you fucking Get clean the, it up? Oh, He's like, shit. tough shit. Go clean it up. Holy fuck. And so I just remember going back into my room. I balled up 
the the sheets from the bed, carried yeah. them down, threw them in the uh, washing machine. Didn't uh, turn the washing machine on. I just threw them in the washing machine, and I just went and passed out on my mattress, sheetless mattress, sheetless mattress <laughs> and felt sick for like three days. Wow! Like so nauseous for like three days. Wow, we. Um, and that was really the end of drinking for me. Did I, that, did I would that... socially drink, right? But that stayed with you. Because oh, everyone says me. never again, but no one actually does never does it again. But you did. I would socially drink for the next, you know, 20, yep. 25 years, but I would never get drunk. What discipline? Not even drunk. No, because Steve. I would start to drink and I would start to feel shitty. Like, nope, I'm done. I'd be like, oh, no, this is going to lead to me throwing up. Right, right. Life's and too short. It's also weird be, for someone who's only thrown up like a few times in his life and not in 30 years. <laughs> I think about it constantly. No shit. I have a fear of throwing up. Ah, okay. Every day you think about it? Oh, multiple times a day. Wow. Um, I often will throw food away probably too early going- Just in case. This might have gone bad. This milk's probably bad. Yeah. Holy fuck. It's a real problem. Yeah. And, um, you know, my therapist was like, you know, we've kind of came to the conclusion that it's more, it's more of- uh, it's a deeper issue I have. I have, I have control issues. Yeah, and you're really no more out of control than when you're throwing up. Absolutely. Once it starts, Absolutely. you're a slave to the toilet. Exactly. There. Yes, your body is in control and your brain is no longer in control. Yeah, and it's also an embarrassment thing. Like if I'm on a plane, I'm like, God, what if I have to throw up on here and everyone's uh, gonna stick? Like, so I have all these issues. Totally, dude. Totally. That go way beyond just absolutely throwing up isn't fun. It's of more. It's of course. the other shit. Yeah, absolutely. I have the same, the controls is probably the biggest issue that I have. Before we got on the air, we were talking about dentists. We were yeah. talking about Cincinnati. And I, w I had such a uh, profound fear of dentists because I had like a masochist as a dentist when I was a kid. Ugh. Who like w would yell at me and like punish me. And it would, it, I was always terrified. And it was, it's because of... It wasn't so much the pain because now I can suffer through the pain. I think that's a sadist. Yeah. Yes. The masochist was he would. He, oh yes. Ex excuse hurting me. himself. Excuse me. Yes, he was a sadist. I, I was like, it. "Fuck!" Would he? Like, I got it backwards. Yank on his own teeth. <laughs> <laughs> He'd make you lay there and watch him drill his own teeth. This is terrible. Taking way too long. Nate, doctor. watch this. Watch right, this. Fair Nate. enough. <laughs> uh, you're right. He was a sadist, and I would. Uh, and so he was just. He was. He would punish me, and. It was the, it was for me, it was less about the pain and more about the feeling of vulnerability of opening your mouth and having your mouth exposed mm -hmm. to someone's hands. Who could really hurt you. Who could really manipulate you and, and cause you pain and trauma. Yeah. And this new, this doctor that I have now, like I, I told that to him, I was like, this is, this is less about the pain. And more about me being unable to give control over to you and not know that that and, and it's the fear of the unknown. Like, what are you going to do with my fucking mouth? This is an open sore. <laughs> it's fucking open like flesh that I need on a day to day basis. Yeah. Please don't hurt me. That's so weird because I don't have a problem with like going to doctors or dentists yeah, and do. like I have a really high pain threshold. Mm hmm. And part of me, it, it's one of those things, you know, how they say people will cut themselves because they yes. feel yep. it's for feeling. And that's kind of how I am with doctors or like, 
Mm. I go and they're drilling in my mouth. I'm like, I'm like, this is good. They're fixing something. Exactly. I, like, I feel like something's getting accomplished. This is real. This is happening. So I have no problem with the pain or mm. whatever they're doing. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with dentists at all. That's so interesting. I'm fucking terrified. And people are all, I have friends who are like, oh, you got to get a root canal. Ask them to put you to sleep. I'm like, why would I want to be asleep? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be so present right. in case something happens. Right. I don't know. Right. But I have friends who are just like, I can't even deal. I have yeah. to be put to sleep. Well, tell tell your friends to go see Dr. Kim in Glendale because he's the greatest dentist Wait, in America. Wait, who's the dentist you saw in Cincinnati? Uh, I don't forget. I f- or why did you have to go to a dentist? I had a, uh, uh, a something uh, like a something fell out, like a cap or something in the back fell out. I think a filling came out, and I was having such fucking tremendous pain. Yeah, and I had to perform the show. I was doing this play, and it was hard for me to do my work and say my lines uh, because my tongue would hit this little like open oh, yeah. sore in my fucking mouth. So I cross. It was actually in Kentucky. I crossed the river and went to Kentucky, uh-huh. and he was amazing because I went in there saying like I have to do this because I it's for my job, but I'm fucking terrified. Please help me. And he's like, relax. Everything's gonna be fine. I'm not gonna fucking hurt you. Yeah. And I said I'm gonna do this, and he talked me through everything he was gonna do. Yeah. And he just replaced the filling. It was really simple. Yeah. It's quick. But um, thank fucking god. I mean, I don't know. I just I, had a bad string. I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording about Dennis and stuff, but I had a uh, a root canal done and they put in a temporary crown mm-hmm. which is still there i haven't gotten the original one because my dentist ran up all this work that you know the sag uh insurance only covers you dentally up to a certain amount of money like two thousand dollars or something yeah. like that and so i've reached the cap on that money <laughs> And like, they're like, okay, that's going to be a thousand dollars. And I'm like, out of my own pocket. They're like, yeah, your insurance is, you've reached that cap for the year. And so I'm now like sitting on this temporary crown waiting. I was going to wait till the end of the year to go in and get it replaced. too long. But uh, I just got something in the mail about this supplemental dental insurance for SAG Hmm. um, that, that doubles your uh deductible yeah it do- it'll make it like four thousand dollars wow. or something and you only have to pay an additional like 75 dollars per quarter is that is that for everyone like how why do, how did you if get you're that? on the tier one insurance yeah. yeah and that is that every six months or every four months it's every that they, three I every think. three quarterly yeah because i pay my insurance you can pay whenever but i pay yeah. quarterly yeah um but it's an additional like $75. And most people who are good with their teeth don't need that. Exactly. Because they're like, $2,000 is enough for me to get my teeth yeah, cleaned yeah, every yeah. year. But you said earlier that you were afraid that your dentist was upselling you on shit that was unnecessary. Well, they're like, yeah, we're do- we'll do these deep cleanings on your teeth. While we were waiting for my appointment to see the uh, the oral surgeon to do my root canal, they're like, because he only is in there like once a month or something. So they're like, well, let's start on your teeth. Because I hadn't been in to a dentist in a long time. And so they're doing these deep cleanings with like laser. Yeah. And it's amazing. It was, and I needed them, but like that was really costly. So by the time we got to what I really needed, which was the root canal, mm-hmm. that's when I had reached my cap. And so I have this temporary and the back half of the temporary chipped off. Oh, fuck. It's still fine because the roots are still, you know. Yeah, secure. Secured. 
but it broke off in a way that there's just this like jagged part that now at least every other day I have bit my cheek Steve. or my tongue. Steve, you this has to be solved. I know. I mean, why why aren't you scheduling an appointment to get this immediately? Because of the waiver. The hasn't supplemental. Come no, that supplemental insurance starts uh, next month, so I'm literally like a week away. So I'm just August first. Yeah, so I'm waiting till. Have August you made 1st. Have you made your appointment for August first? <laughs> no, I haven't. Will you do that today? When yeah, we finish yeah, I'll here? do it afterwards. That would put me at ease because that's something <laughs> I'm going to carry with me <laughs> once we finish today. It's just tomorrow. Yeah, I keep biting my. You're going ah. I fuck. keep biting my tongue, and it's like that's what razor I w- fucking sharp. Yeah, and um, and one you know once you bite your cheek or tongue, it swells. Yeah, so you fucking keep biting. Oh yeah, it. of course. I actually just because I was grinding my teeth so much from uh from just life frustrations every night. It's just like a fucking grind. Uh, my dentist was like, "Okay, we we've been, we've been putting this off for too long. You need a you need to wear a mouth guard." Because you got to kind of get fucking jagged, you know. And you can teeth. sleep with a mouth guard in. Took me a couple nights, but I I paid the extra money to get fit for like a custom one. Why would put, you not do that? Well, you can go and spend twenty Just bucks, get like a football mouth. <laughs> exactly, pretty much. I'd be afraid I was going to swallow that in my sleep. That's my same fucking fear. You get something, it's like it, uh, it's plastic. You put it in boiling water. So and then and then you put it in your teeth molds, for like yeah. exactly, and that works pretty well. But for me, I, it didn't feel right, and I thought I was gonna choke and die. And I was like, I need something that is more accustomed to my <laughs> fucking mouth and to put me to calm my fucking nerves, yeah, and my anger and my fear and rage. And so I had it fit for my mouth, and I put it in. And the first night was strange, but by like night three, I was okay. And now it's not a problem. It's getting a little tight on one spot. I need to adjust it a little bit, but it took me two and a half nights. Is it upper and lower or is it no, just No, it's one? just upper. It just like clicks into place and it's and it calms me. It's like, I, at least I'm taking care of my teeth in this way. Yeah. Like this, I'm, I'm being proactive so that I don't have to get fucking, you know, replacement teeth. So you're not afraid 60s. of it like popping out in your sleep I and was, choking you. I was, I was. And then I, I was like, you have to do this. And I got over it. I panicked when I was sitting in the chair and they put all this purple fucking foam in my yeah, mouth. Yeah. And it fills you up and you forget, <laughs> like, I was like, I'm going to swallow this and choke. You forget that you can breathe through your nose. Some people. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> and I went- have a deviated septum. Right. And I was like, nope. I was like 30 seconds in and he began to panic. And it was just like this, like assistant. And I was like, nope, nope. And I took this thing half finished out of my mouth. She's like, what, 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 what are you doing? I was like, I, nope, I'm not doing this. I felt like I was wow. going to fucking drown. And she's like, okay. And the dentist came in and was like, you felt like you were going to choke and die. I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, I'm going to put less in this time. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to hold it myself. Holy shit. And I was like, okay. So he sat next to me and he filled the thing with like half the amount. He's like, this is only going to take like two and a half minutes. He's like, you ready? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're fine. You can breathe, breathe through your nose. And I was like, okay. So I, he put it in and he literally like had his hand on my knee and he was like counting down. He's like, just another 60 seconds. It's he just breathe through your nose. You're fine. You're fine. I'm not going to, nothing's going to happen to you. I mean, he's like basically like a fucking parent. I yeah. need, <laughs> need my dentist to parent me and tell me, Steve, uh, that everything yeah. was going to be okay, which he did. And he did the same for the bottom. And They uh, should all do that. Yes. I would have no problem with a dentist like 
constantly reassuring me while they're working. Absolutely. I think it was also because I haven't been to a therapist in a while and and I, I need to go back. And so anywhere, any sort of like person that is in a power position, I'm like, I need your guidance and support. <laughs> Whether yeah. it's a fucking dentist, dentist or yeah. whoever, um, I'm like fucking desperate for it because I'm, I'm not getting it now. I need, I need a new therapist. Heartbreaking story. My therapist died. Oh, geez. Yeah. A couple months ago. It's fucking, I hadn't been seeing him for about a year. Did uh, you know that they were sick? Uh, he had, um, some very, he was really young. He was like 45. Oh no. I know. You, you don't want to hear I'm this. 48. I know. You don't want to hear this. No, I need to hear it. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's going to fucking ruin you. Um, <laughs> start biting your cheek. Uh, he had some really strange heart trouble and had heart surgery and then he was fine and he was a fit guy. And he just had this like flap in his heart, and um, Fuck. and then he had a had like a like a, a, a heart, attack. heart attack, yeah, and died, and uh, it was so fu- it was so fucking gnarly, yeah. And, and like four months ago, I went to the doctor, and um, I shouldn't be going down this road. I don't want to fucking freak you I do out. Have a heart issue. I I discovered I have one as well. I have a weird irregular heartbeat. Same that here. Fucking scares the shit. Was your T wave uh, inverted when you got the EKG? My EKG came back normal. Oh, I have How to go. I have it? to go in and have a stress test. I had that three months ago. How was it? It was fine. Everything was clear. You ran on a treadmill. I ran on a treadmill for I how ha- long? Um, I feel like I could only do it for like 30 seconds. It, well, you, you basically, you don't run for long. It's, it's more walking and then they have you walk in an incline. Okay. And they're watching you. If it gets too high and they see that you're too exasperated, um, excuse me, as I burp into this microphone, <laughs> uh, they, they slow it down. They're, like they're following your numbers live. Like there's, a, there's an assistant Did you get right the one there. where they inject a dye into you? No, no, okay. but they, they put a thing around my chest right. and they had like a, like a, um, a, a blood pressure thing right. around my, uh, uh, bicep. Right. And I don't think it took maybe 10 minutes or something, but then I also had a, um, uh, echocardiogram and an ultrasound. So an echocardiogram is when like they, it's like, it, uh, they have like a little fucking, they put like, uh, like they're looking at uh, like a pregnant belly. To yeah. watch your heart. Yeah, I have and, to get one of those too. Yeah, I did. I, my EKG, he's like, are you doing a lot of cocaine? And I was like, I've never done cocaine in my life. And he's like, huh, okay. Well, you're going to come in for this and this and this. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I started freaking out and fucking panicking. But thankfully, everything was clear. Did you wear a, a heart monitor for like a few days? Did they have you do that too? Um, No, I, I went in pretty quick. Like three days later, I went in for all these tests. What uh? What caused you to go in? What's did it, was, it start out of the blue? No, it, I went in. I went in just to have like a a, a checkup. It had been oh, two years shit. since I had a checkup. I was like, I should go. I I, I got to go in and do this. Yeah. And I was worried about the finger in the butt, which is uh, I don't want to do. I politely declined that. I declined. You're gonna I, have to do it eventually. Yeah, I, I had it one. I had it two years ago, and I made a noise that I've never made before, and I it was. Have you heard John Mulaney's? No bit about go- he goes to the doctor because he wants a Xanax prescription. Yes, and so he's afraid to just go in and ask for Xanax. Sure, and so he goes in and he um, he makes up something. He's like, 
Oh, he God. looks at the sheet and they're like, what are your symptoms? Why are you here? And so he's like looking at the sheet. And so he checks off frequent urination. <laughs> so he goes in and the doctor's like, how often are you urinating in a day? He was like 11 times. And the doctor's like, huh? Like he just made up a number. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that seems like it would probably be too much. The doctor's like, well, it might be something wrong with your prostate. prostate yeah. And so he gave him a rectal exam and he's... This is on one of his albums. It's so funny. The doctor puts his finger in his ass and John goes, oh. (laughs) (laughs) And then when he pulls his finger out, John thinks that he's shitting. Yes. Because it feels like. Yes, it does. When a finger comes out, it feels like a piece of poop coming out of your butt. So he thinks that he's shitting into this doctor's hand. And so then he goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Go well, it's on. a feeling that most heterosexual males, unless you like having your butt probed with fingers or whatever, it's a feeling that heterosexual males don't feel too often. Yeah. Except when you're going to the bathroom. To have something that size be released from your sphincter muscle. Yeah. It feels like you're taking a poo-poo. Yeah. Yeah. I made a noise... Um, and it was also weird because, like, the the door, it was a small room, and the door was maybe <laughs> 10 feet from the fucking, um, the check, the person who was, like, checking you in and signing oh, you off. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was this young girl, and... <sighs> and I, 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 I felt so fucking ashamed, like, opening the door to leave uh, after I'd wiped so much fucking KY off of my oh, asshole. Oh, yeah, it's so slimy. I was like, hi, how are you? How you doing? I was yep. like, do you hear those noises a lot? She's like, all the time. Oh, All no. day. I was like, okay. Was my, was my noise different from the typical noise? And she's like, no, it's pretty common. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Strange. But uh, I fought him this time. I was like, no, you're not doing it. He's like, oh. For your heart, yeah. Yeah, well, just a checkup. He was uh, like, well, I should do it. I was like, I, nope, you're not doing it. How old are you? 39. Yeah, you, Still, I, I should need I need it. I mean, by the time you're 50. Oh, for yeah, for sure. Um, I'll get it next but year. But were you having like uh, heart palpitations? Um, sometimes I would feel it. Yeah, sometimes I would feel it beating That's like fast. The worst. Yeah, and it's really fucking. And then after I, I was diagnosed by this, do- well, I wasn't diagnosed. The doctor said like, come in, there may be an issue. Oh man, I woke up like two nights later having a having a full blown panic attack. And I don't have I don't have any antidepressants or sedatives. I had nothing to take except my fucking brain to kind of calm myself down. And so I meditated. I, I tried and I couldn't I'm out of practice for meditation too. I need to go I need to start again. But I went into my little like office, like my where my desk is. And I sat down, I just wrote, I took, pick up a, picked up a pencil and I said, you're fine, you're okay. And I just started writing, like, relax, it's okay, you're not going to die. Oh, God. You're not going to have a heart attack yeah. like your, your deceased therapist did. Yeah. Uh. And I just wrote it out and that sort of calmed me down. I took all these deep breaths and like got into bed and... But I was, uh, it was, I hadn't had a panic attack in a while and it was, it was, uh, it was really uh, yeah. fraught. They're panicky. They are. They're panicky. I see. And I feel I, like this attacks. all is weird for me because <laughs> I, when I was still dating my girlfriend, uh, the first time she came out to LA, we started hiking, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was just like, I'd never walk around in LA, and I was, yeah. we were just walking everywhere. And then after she left to go back to Ohio, I just kept walking. I'd walk to auditions. I would just walk down to the coffee shop and. Uh, I lost like 30 pounds in like a month. Wow. 
and felt great. And then I just kept walking and walking. And then I started getting heart palpitations. Mm. Like when I would be walking. What does a heart palpitation feel like? It feels like your heart is skipping beats. Mm. Like not racing. Not that it's about to pop out of your no, chest. No, it'll go boom. Like a regular heartbeat is boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Boom, boom. This would go boom, 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 boom. Oh, fuck boom, me. Boom, oh, boom, my God. Boom, 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 boom. Like just weird irregularities. And you kind of feel like you're going to pass out because it's just fucking doing weird things to the blood going through you. And your brain starts to tell yourself, this is bad news. Shut yeah. it down. You're going to die. Yeah. So, uh, that started after I lost weight. And wow. so, uh, yeah. So I'm, I keep rescheduling these, uh, stress tests. Yeah. Go. Um, You'll be fine. You're going to get positive results. Yeah. They did the thing where I, they did an EKG, which was normal. I wore a heart monitor for four days and had the irregular heartbeats while I was wearing the monitor, which is what they want. And they said, you know, they go, when we get the monitor back and we'll look at the details, if there's something that worries us, we'll call you. And they didn't. And then I called them, you know, like a couple weeks later and I'm like, I just want to double check. And they're so like, I did the same thing. And they look and they're like, yeah, you're normal. And so it put me at ease a little bit, but um, there's been a couple times where I've had to reschedule because of work. Yeah. And they only do it on Wednesdays. That's it. Is it's, it in Beverly Hills? Yeah. Okay. And so it's in Century City, actually. Oh, okay. And so they had to reschedule a couple. It's been like crazy. But also it's a nuclear s stress test where they, they, you do the. They have someone chase you. <laughs> <laughs> they bomb you. <laughs> they, uh, they inject a dye into your bloodstream, mm. which just, that's, that's the part that really creeps me yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's heavy duty. But, uh, well, that's good. It means you're going to fucking make sure they're going to, they're checking off all the boxes to make sure that you are healthy. Yeah. And you'll find that out once you do this stress yeah. test. Yeah. You want me to go with you? No. Okay. What if I just show up? It'll make me too nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I walk in and you're like, hey, Steve. I'm like, what the fuck are you no, doing? No, I know. Here? I talked about it on the podcast, but I, I wanted to be here and support you. I was really worried. May I come in? I want to watch you in your most humiliating. <laughs> sweat pouring, flop sweat on your brow, wearing shorts. Uh, yeah. No. It's going to be fine. It's going to be a piece of cake. Yeah, it'll be fine. Piece of cake. It's supposed to be this Wednesday, but I have to reschedule. Why? It. I'm doing it at midnight. Oh. I need the money. I hear you. Is uh, it at midnight's final episode? No, their final episode is next week. Next week? Well, maybe even the week out. It ends on like the sixth, I think. Yeah, I was always, I always had, I felt butthurt because I was never invited to do that. You've show. never done one, probably because I only have like eight thousand uh, Twitter followers. Only it has nothing to do with that. Oh, it happens to. Do, what does it have to do with my looks? Fuck. No. My hairline. No. My weight. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> too skinny. I'm much too thin. <laughs> do you I know how like, we met? Do you remember how we met? I don't remember. You're one. You fall into the category of people I don't remember meeting, but I've known. I feel like um, we we didn't meet in person. I feel like our introduction was through social media. Yeah, was through Twitter, Probably. and me thinking you were really fucking funny, and seeing like seeing you on television, and knowing who you were. And you do a show. Do you still do it reading aloud? I don't. No, they canceled it on me. Oh, lame. I know. Um, yeah. Nate did a show at UCB called Reading Aloud, which was. 
people would come and read stories, short stories, yeah, like essay, comedy essays, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Really funny show. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to do. It took me a while to do it because I have a fear of reading in public. Yeah, you were so fucking funny, Steve. You read the ABC pilot one. Uh, I'm I forget who fucking wrote it. I'm oh god, I'm Colin Neeson, maybe? No, I'm not. I don't Dan. remember. I did a few. But that ABC pilot one still is fucking burned in my brain. It was so fucking I think ABC family's gonna pass on my pilot. Oh, that's right. And the and the name is called like Car and Wrecked Cars and it was about fucking <laughs> it was something that had that was completely inappropriate for ABC family. That's right. And it it's was a, so fucking funny. It was such a funny show too. We had a I was I got really lucky with with talented people reading things for that show like you and Rob Delaney read from his book which was oh, yeah, fucking yeah. hilarious Paul Shear did something amazing Kumail Nanjani read something incredible I had a lot of really fucking funny people come in and, ele and elevate material that was already hilarious yeah but seeing it performed with a committed committed com comedian was just the fucking but it was best. one of those it's one of those shows that um you know, really feeds into one of my biggest fears, which is mm. reading aloud because, yeah. and I would, I don't know if, if you ever did the thrilling adventure hour. No, never. Another thing. Which was no, like an old timey play yeah. radio show where people go up and read. It's Ben Acker and. Yeah. yeah. Acker and Blacker. Yeah. And people read like an old timey radio show, but you have the scripts. Right. Instead of memorizing, you're reading on stage. Yeah. For an audience, which is always. <laughs> I never like doing that. I don't like when I do a TV show and have to do table reads. Mm. Um, yeah. And it all goes back to, I traced it back to like elementary school, you know, when the teacher would have kids come up and read in front of the classroom, like, yeah, all right, reading class and, you know, you get out a book and she have everyone come up and read a different, you know, page or whatever. And I would always go up and I would mispronounce words and people would laugh at me. And I sure. was just like, nope. No, nope, no more. I remember the one, the only time I really remember was I was reading in front of the class and the word coyote came up. And this was third grade, dude. How old are you in third grade? Like 11? Uh, you're nine. Nine. Third grade. I had never seen the word coyote written. Sure. And it is not written the way it sounds. So I'm reading da da da, and then he was in the hills, and he saw a coyote. I said, and Pretty I close. I said it like, like so confidently, coyote, and everyone started laughing. Wow! Looking back, I'm like, how did the whole class know that that is coyote? No shit! I am like. Coyote. I mean, it's Riverside. There are coyotes around, right? I guess. Sure. <laughs> and I know what a coyote is, even at that age. But uh, then the teacher laughed. That's and, the problem. And corrected me in front of the whole class. And Fuck uh, that teacher for fucking laughing. I felt so ashamed. Yes. And then, uh, and then there was another time. This wasn't reading in front of a class, but I was going to a basketball camp. Uh, this was like sixth grade. And um, th a few days before going to camp, we I was at my house, and they send you, uh, you know, a list, a, a checklist of things to bring. You know, obviously socks and you know proper sneakers for playing yeah. basketball, and bring a pillow and bring soap and bring a toothbrush. And 
and I'm reading the list. I'm in sixth grade. So what is that? You're 12. 12. And um, my mom's in the kitchen doing something and I'm sitting at the kitchen table and I'm reading it and I go, what's deodorant? I was just about to say, was it deodorant? Yeah. And my, I go, what's deodorant? And my mom starts fucking laughing. <laughs> She can't breathe. She's like, ha, 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 ha. She's like, it's deodorant. Yeah, like, fucking dummy. Like, you asshole. Yes, it's deodorant. Yes. And I felt so embarrassed. And so, anytime I have to read in public, fucking auditions. So, what's the difference between, like, I have that, I have those same memories of my own life. But there, but that, those things happen to everyone. Mm hmm. So what is it about the person that it's, that happens to? It's the embarrassment. But they're embarrassed too. But but it doesn't stick. Why does it not stick with them? But That's it sticks a good with question. us. What is it about their brain and their like? What there's some what people are just like eh, fuck you. How the fuck can you get that confident? I don't know. It was. I mean, is it because of the? I don't know. It's a fascinating conversation. I was easily embarrassed. Um, yeah, me you too. Know, it was the same thing with, you me know, too. if you threw up in, in front of people, I was yeah. like, God, that would be so fucking embarrassing. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it was, it's always terrifying reading for me in, in front of people. I think that also, um, comes from, uh, like if, if you have the pages in front of you, you're assumed to be perfect. Mm -hmm. everyone assumes that you're going to do the best possible job because it's in front of you. So it should be easy. Yeah. So that puts the stress in my mind. Like everyone thinks it's going to be fine and easy. So fuck. What if, what if I fuck up a word? Yeah. Like you fucking dummy. It's right in front of you. Just fucking read the words. Yeah. And so I, I psych myself out um, because I assume everyone is, is going, it's going to hit a home run because yeah. it's very easy. Yeah. The, um, Mispronouncing words, it's funny that you bring that up. I, I was doing I was doing the monologues at ASCAT at UCB Franklin like ten years ago. It was when Seth Morris was running the UCB and um he had me do the monologues and I mispronounced Oh my god, I mispronounced um uh Reese's pieces. Reese's. Reese's. Yeah. And I called them Reese's. Reese's pieces. A lot of people do. Yeah. Pretty common thing. It's not a big e -E. deal. Yeah. Reese's. Pieces. Yeah. Not Reese's. <laughs> yeah. But I called them Reese's Pieces or Reese's Pieces. And and people laughed and I didn't know why. I thought they were laughing at, the audience was laughing at me when I brought that up in a story because the story was hilarious and I was a gifted like, storyteller. Oh, it's relatable. I'm fucking got, killing this. Yeah, yeah. And then I stepped back and they just, the next 40 minutes were They're about people doing scenes about mispronouncing words. words. Oh, fuck. And I just sat there like, oh, fuck me. And I left there and I remember like Seth asked me to do it again like nine months later. Yeah, I was like, no. hey, Seth, I, I, you, know, you know, you don't ask me to do this again. Because I was so, and that's this is fucking nine years ago. You were like, I still Philip Seymour Hoffman and Boogie Nights in exactly. the car, just like idiot. fucking idiot, okay. idiot. fucking idiot, you idiot. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. Oh my god, still with me. It's still so weird me. how you can't let shit like that go. I know. God, why? There's certain things I am just like, whatever. I'm fine with totally. And then there are certain things that I am just mortified by. Yes. Like doing stand up, I will tell the most embarrassing stories about shitting my pants or like yeah, yeah. horrible things that have happened to me. And then 
it's I think it's different when I bring them up and I'm making fun control. of myself. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to someone else going, uh, did you hear what this fucking idiot just said? Right. And going, right. uh, uh, right. please don't, please don't laugh at me. Yeah. It's weird the things that you choose to worry about and the things, because there are certain things that people freak out about that I'm sort of, that I pay no mind to, like you just said. But there are yeah. other things that I will fucking twist myself up in knots over and lose sleep over and fucking bang my head against the wall about things that don't deserve the weight that I am giving them. So it's why weird. is that? Again, I need to find a therapist. Mental. Yeah. I got to find someone on the east side. I don't want to fucking drive to fucking Beverly Hills. I need someone on the east side. I'm the same way. I, I, yeah. I can't be in the car any, to fucking go there and sit and then come back. It's too much. I did that for fucking six years. You should start meditating again too. I got Nate and I have this, had the same teacher. Yeah, Teo. Teo, who was, was on right. this podcast. Oh, he was? I had him in to talk about meditating. No shit. Yeah. How long ago? I could listen it was to like that a episode. year ago, maybe. Yeah, he's great. Um, but yeah, I actually texted him just a couple weeks ago because I was like, I need to come in for some refresher. Yeah. I've, I did that like a year or two ago. I, I, I sat down with him and it was really helpful. Because I never feel better than when I'm doing it. Same regularly. Here, Same and it's here. so easy for me to just be like, wake up and yeah. all of a sudden be like, oh, fuck, I got to get to this. Yeah. Thing. And it requires something that I don't have a lot in my life, which is discipline. Yeah. It requires a very specific kind of discipline. And and I had it for like nine months and it was fucking great. And then I just got lazy. It's weird. I can, I can get up, go sit on the couch and watch TV. Mm-hmm. And in that same time, I could have just gotten up, sat on the couch, meditated. Yes. <laughs> 20 minutes. That's it. 20 minutes. That's nothing. That's, that's nothing. Absolutely nothing. You could even set your alarm 20 minutes earlier. Yep. And then you've lost no time because you also feel more rested. Yes. Doing 20 minutes of meditation. You feel centered like and rested. Six, than six hours sleep. Yeah. The noise just gets quieted down. Oh, I love it. I'm going to do it tonight. I'm going to do it again tonight. All right. I'm going to start back up. You inspired me. Yeah. Maybe we should both go see Teo when he's back in town. He's in New York right now, but he's yes. Like, I'll let you know when I'm back in town. He get I get those emails about the group meditations like on Saturdays and Sundays, and I always go, yes, yes, yes. And then I fucking- Me too. I, and I, I don't never go. Discipline. And part of it is- my, uh, it's kind of embarrassing to go do it for no, a bunch no. of people. Yeah, no way. Have you ever done it? Group? Mm -hmm. Yeah, once. How was it? It was great. It was great. It was helpful. It got me back on and then I fell off again. That's it was so good. Weird. I got to do it. Where do you live? Beachwood Canyon, okay. right by UCB. Okay. You? Yeah. Uh, Eagle Rock. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love it over there. It's great. Um, do you have anything you need to plug? Uh, no, I'm plugless. It's been a fucking bleak year. Nothing's coming out. I have something coming out in the fall, like one episode of a TV show. What is the show? Uh, it's called The Marvelous Miss Maisel. It's this Rachel Brosnahan show for Amazon. Nice. Uh, the pilot you can watch now. It's about, the, it's a really great premise. It's about a woman, um, like young mother, wife, Upper West Side Jewish family who, uh, leaves her husband and becomes a stand-up. Oh, wow. It's like, sort of like Joan Rivers, like the first oh, woman yeah, yeah. stand-up in the Did gas you shoot lake. it in L.A.? Yeah, in New York. In New York. Uh, and it's uh, Amy Sherman Palladino who did uh, Gilmore Girls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and the show is great. I think they're doing eight episodes. The, they're booked for two seasons, but... So, that's fall? Uh, the fall, yeah. I think, like, probably October, November. I'm not sure. Um, 
and they people can find you on social networking. You can find Nate Cordry. Yes, I'm Nate Cordry on Twitter, and uh, it's I'm Nate Cordry. I am just, Nate Cordry. Or yes. you're saying I'm Nate Cordry on both. I'm Nate Cordry, and it's also I'm Nate. I'm Cordry. Nate Cordry, <laughs> <laughs> and that's C O R R. No, try it again. C O R D R. No, D D. Yes. R-Y. It's 2D. C-O-R-D-D-R-Y. Yeah. Cord dry. A lot of consonants. A lot of Ds. A lot of Ds. What and is Rs. The, what is Jesus, the, enough with the Ds. What's the origin of that? Um, it's it's uh, French. It's Corday uh, is the... I think when we came over in the boat, it was like C-O-R-D-E-Y. Oh, that would have like been to remember. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why? You know, the second R, uh, the second D, excuse me, was added... Um, for signage, because it looked better on a sign. My great-great-grandfather had a uh, lumber company in the right. Eastern Shore, Maryland. And the sign looked better. It was, was C-O-R-D-D-R-Y. Huh. And so he changed it legally to C-O-R-D-D-R-Y because Amazing. of a, of a sign. For a sign. For a fucking sign to sell lumber. Sold a lot of lumber. In Maryland? The Eastern Shore of Maryland, yeah, where my dad is from. I have relatives in Easton, Maryland, which is on the Chesapeake. Yeah, yeah. This is on the Chesapeake as well. It's a beautiful country. Uh, yeah. I used to go water skiing with them. Oh, really? All the time. Eat a lot of crab? On the Chesapeake. Blue yep. shell crab. Oh, God. There was a weird thing. Uh, old Bay. Going water skiing in that bay. Every now and then there would just be, and I've never seen this before, like thousands, maybe even millions of jellyfish. Oh, God. But like- Tiny, the sign, the size oh. of like silver dollar pancakes, uh-huh. just all over. Oof! And we would still water ski, but you would have to wear like a wetsuit, yeah, yeah, and gloves. What about your face? Just try not to go underwater. Holy shit! And I never got stung. That's fearless of you. I would have said, "Nope, I'm going to stay on the shore." Yeah, I was a teenager, read. so I was like, I was fearless as a teenager. I mm. did rock climbing. I did anything. Oh wow. I think the older I get and the more uh, aware of my mortality, I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, I, I can't do that. I might die. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, because I'm approaching my 40th birthday, I've started to develop a, a cool new fear of death. Just wait, Which, man. It's uh, Your 40s are bonkers with that shit. <laughs> it truly panics me. Now I don't think about it. But uh, every so often I do, and it, and it really, really panics me. <laughs> What a great way to end a podcast. Uh, yeah. So death is real, everybody. Death is real. Uh, I think we'll title this episode, what's it called? Going into the white room? Yes. Into the white room. Into the white room. That, yeah. that might be what I call this episode. That's perfect. Uh, Nate, thanks for doing Steve, this. Steve, thank you we for asking me. finally made it happen. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'm glad. And uh, thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.